Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is Season Trace and Episode Cinco. <laughs> we are going bilingual wow. on Equipping You podcast. No, we're, not. we're coming not to you today <laughs> from Colorado Springs, home of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Yeah, so saddle up and hang on for dear life. Here we go. I'm Terry. And I am the church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, the director and shocked uh, <laughs> director of multiplication for Eastern PA and the regional coordinator in the Northeast for church planning for the Alliance. Uh, I don't have a saddle, so I just, I'll, just, I'll just be ready to go without it. We're speaking figuratively. Oh, figuratively. That's right. Wow. You know, in like... his defense, rodeo clowns don't usually have a saddle. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair and enough. That's the voice. Yes, that's true. Uh, it's kind of like we're speaking figuratively of his masterful use of Spanish. <laughs> Trace. The uh, voice you just heard was that of A.J. Gutierrez, our uh, producer, and his co-producer, Caitlin, is here with us as well. Great yep. to have you guys along. We need two producers now to make us uh, sound We take good. a lot of work. Yes. Twice the effort, twice the work, and twice the pay. <laughs> Well, Alan, it's always good to have you in town. It's always great to be here. It really is. And uh, before we recorded this podcast last night, we watched Sunday Night Football together. The you know, New England Patriots falling <laughs> to the Baltimore Ravens. I just hated America's to see that happen team. to you, Alan. I knew last night when I was watching that game, uh, sitting in the comforts of your home, thinking I was being wonderfully welcomed, that if my team lost, that it would show up in the podcast today. Well... You are prophetic, Alan. Well, No, I just know you. Uh, <laughs> we're talking to leaders in the Alliance today, and so uh, we're going to talk to a gentleman by the name of Ron Edmondson, who's the uh, chief executive officer of the Leadership Network and somebody that you're probably a little more familiar with than I am, Alan. What do you, what do you like about Ron? I like a lot about Ron in that he's very practical in his leadership. He's also very humble, I think. Uh, he's done way more in ministry than he lets on uh, and when he talks about it, and I'm very encouraged by him. Uh, he actually took time for me about six years ago. I was trying to make a decision about my master's education, and uh, he, he answered an email from a stranger and had a conversation with me that was really good direction. It's great. Wow. It's great. So today we're specifically going to talk uh, a lot about leading uh, church revitalization, that's Which your specialty. An, yeah, I love it. It's an important topic when uh, two-thirds to three-quarters of evangelical churches are plateaued or declining. So uh, grab yourself some uh, nice hot chocolate. Be sure to put some marshmallows in it. Kick Whip back. Whipped cream. Relax. Okay, whipped cream too. <laughs> Here we go. Well, Ron Edmondson, welcome to uh, Equipping You podcast. We're very glad that you joined us uh, today and look forward uh, to talking with you. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to it as well. Yeah. So uh, help us get to know you a little bit to start with. Tell us a little bit about your journey with Jesus and uh, your journey in ministry leadership, if you would. 
Yeah, I yeah, I grew up in the church, and so I've there's never been a time I, I was actually um, talking to somebody in the church once and realized there's probably not been ten times in my life that I wasn't in church on a Sunday. It's just always been, you know, even when we're on vacation, we 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 attend church. So I came to the Lord at, at 10 years of age, and I've never wavered in that decision. You know, a lot of times you question, okay, did I know what I was doing, that sort of thing. I just I always go back to I knew exactly what I was doing at 10 years of age. Uh, never really uh, did a lot in the church, though, other than just attend until I was in my early 20s. And I had a pastor just really reach out to me, and, and uh, I was very active in leadership in the community and in even in business as a, as a young business uh, person. And he said, what are you, when are you going to do something for the kingdom of God? You know, and, mm-hmm. and it actually was a lot longer conversation, but um, he challenged me to, to get active in, in the church. And so I became very active in the church doing just about every position you can do in a large church. And, and then uh, at 38 years of age, uh, after uh, two after being in the business world for many years, owning two businesses, just really uh, after the sale of a business, again, super long story, but since God calling me into vocational ministry at 38 years of age with two kids, one in elementary and one in middle school. And in, um, in 16 years as a pastor, we served two church plants and two church revitalizations, and uh, God was faithful in all of those and just had some incredible ministry experiences. And and then um, about 16 months ago, as this is being recorded, I uh, came to Leadership Network, which was uh, a, a kind of a marriage, if you will, between the business world that I that I had experience in and the, the real desire to help churches and, and pastors. And so We've been here in the Dallas area leading at uh, Leadership Network for 16 months now. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Um, I think probably most pastors and church leaders uh, at least have heard of Leadership Network. A lot of definitely that our listeners would have been directly impacted by it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about its generous history, uh, how it got started, and what you guys are passionate about today? Well, one one reason you may not know a lot about Leadership Network is 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 partially due to our founder, uh, Bob Buford, was a wealthy man who who um, he felt the Lord telling him to give the second part of his life to building up the church. Uh, but he had a, a very um, strong um, philosophy. He, he said, my fruit grows on other people's trees. And so in the especially in the early days, a lot of what we did, we didn't even put our name on or we put somebody else's name on. And uh, that's uh, great in in terms of of uh, a humble spirit. It's it's a little harder, you know, for me now trying to market the organization and, and really tell what we have been a part of. But we got our start um, because Bob was very forward thinking. He was great at asking questions and listening, and he began to to see and hear that there was going to be this movement in the church, the rise of the mega church. So he's going to have these large churches. And the pastor may have been greatly trained in the Bible, but not trained uh, in in helping a large organization move forward. And so we got our start really helping bring the issue of leadership and 
good, healthy biblical leadership to the church. And that's really where we kind of cut our teeth and still where we were at today. And so a lot of the, the, the thought process over the last 35 years that has shaped leadership in the church has, has kind of birthed out of the work Leadership Network was doing in terms of research and exposing churches to great um, leadership principles. Uh, over the years, we've addressed whatever it is that the church is addressing. Uh, multi-site church movement would be one of the bigger ones that we had our hand in uh, very early. In fact, you know, it, it happened before I came, but I can honestly say what has happened in the church world in multi-site church movement is greatly uh can be traced back to the work of leadership network in the early days. Uh, and then issues like generosity in the church and leadership development. Uh, we're now uh, currently looking at things like big data and helping the church understand what to do with the information that, that you hold as a church. The church holds more information than anybody in the world, but how do you use that to help your church make more and better disciples? Uh, we're moving into the area of faith and work and the integration of of um, what you do on Monday with what you do on Sunday and how both of those days are equally important mm -hmm. in living yes. out your faith uh, Monday through Friday in the workplace. So that's a new initiative for us that we're, that we're leaning to. Um, and all the other issues, whatever the church is dealing with, at some level, we're, we're, uh, we want to be a part of it. Um, Women in ministry is a huge focus for us right now, helping the church how to discern that. Leading a church in a time of sexual questioning, huge part. There's a pastor there where you guys are located, Steve Cuss, who wrote a book on managing leadership anxiety. We published that book and, and are, are really pressing into this issue of the pastor's health and the pastor's family health and the health of the church, mental health issue, all those sort of things. So whatever the church is dealing with around the corner, we want to be a part of helping them um, uh, embrace that and, and, and be better as a church. Yeah, good stuff. Ron. Wow, great stuff. So uh, you shared with us a little bit about your ministry history, two church plants, two church revitalizations. We love both of those things. Those are the, those are the things that we're beating the drum for in the Christian Missionary Alliance in the U.S., but particularly today, we'd love to hone in on the whole issue of um, church revitalization. And, and uh, tell us a little bit, Ron, about the two churches that you uh, have been used to lead revitalization in. Well, it was the first one and the last one. And the first one just was a, a rural country church that I, I surrendered to ministry in the same week. I'd been doing a little interim stuff here and there. But uh, the same week I surrendered to vocational ministry, my pastor, who uh, was my pastor growing up for 27 years, called, and his first church out of seminary had fallen on hard times. Hmm. And he said, would you commit a year to go there and help them kind of turn around? And so we went. It was 45 minutes from our home. We didn't sense we were supposed to move, but we spent. We committed a year, ended up staying 13 months, and helped the church rediscover itself. And part of the way we did that was studying, and this was all wisdom given to me by others, uh, is study, we studied church planting. And so we, we replanted. I didn't even know the term yeah. at the time, but we kind of replanted the church and used some church planting um, principles at that. Then we landed in two church plants, one by accident, one intentionally, and, <laughs> um, and God just did incredible things in both of those. And then uh, we were on top, you know, uh, just in a, a great season in the church plant that had started in our living room. We'd been there 
seven years, and I could have easily retired from that. And since God called us to a historic 104-year-old church that had really fallen on hard times uh, financially and leadership-wise and, and attendance-wise, uh, the church was kind of split down the middle over an issue. And if you put a clock on it, some say it takes 30 years for the church to die. I, I think this one was into this. If, if the clock was ticking, it was a good five or six, seven years into it. Yeah. And, um, and, and it made no sense to leave church planting at the time where we could, I could wear sandals during the week and shave twice a week to go <laughs> to a church that expected me to have a suit and tie on you know, every time I preach. But we, we did. And, um, and, and God was just faithful. The first few years were really difficult. We had to address a lot of difficult issues and the last, we were there six years to the date, and the last three years were wonderful. Some of our best years in ministry. In fact, for 16 months, we have grieved the loss of, of that mm. season, just uh, loving that, that church so much. But we also knew part of revitalization was positioning them for the next 100 years. That was kind of the mandate we went into with. And part of that we felt like was who was the person who was, you know, we were 55, at the, I was 55 at the time, and who is the person who's going to be there another, you know, 20 years yeah. or 25 years? And that wasn't me. And so uh, we we wanted to help the church move towards who is that, you know, that pastor is going to shepherd the church for years to come. And and that meant for us uh, moving out. We weren't looking at all when, but Leadership Network came along. And uh, so it just made sense. Hmm. So when you initially showed up at this 104-year-old church, what was the biggest challenges you had identified right from the beginning? Well, I think the, the, the number one thing, and it's the, it's kind of a cardinal rule of leadership. Leadership is only successful when there's trust. And so there had to be an element of trust in me that we were, that the cha the changes we were going to make were going to be for good, that we were, uh, th that the best interest for the church was at stake, that I wasn't building a kingdom for myself and that I wasn't, shaping it what I wanted, you know, because calling a church planter to an established church, there was a lot of naysayers, especially guy, a guy who had been a business guy for a long time. Mm, yeah. And and so there was just a lot. I was the first pastor in the history of that church that didn't have the pedigree. You know, I didn't have, I'm, I'm actually still finishing up my doctorate. I don't have my doctorate yet. I was the first church pastor without one and, and just, you know, not looking like what they were expecting. So earning that trust, I think, was was probably the biggest challenge that I had. Yeah. Wow. So uh, been there, done that, uh, Ron, in terms of uh, leading revitalization. And when you talk about uh, grieving the church that you've uh, walked away from, I understand that but the best eight and a half years of our lives were invested in uh, that kind of ministry and in a church. And and it's going well and grateful for the new leader that's there. But, uh, yeah, I understand what you're talking about. So uh, challenges abound in uh, revitalization, but there are also joys. So uh, tell us some of the biggest joys that you experienced in seeing the church turn around and uh, show some new signs of life. You know, I think it's when the new faces start to come and the and there's new hope for the future that this church is going to make it. You know, it, 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 even when change is hard, if you love the church, which we had just a lot of people who love the church, 
They've been there for years. They still want the church to grow. They want to see new faces and seeing uh, people come uh, who who hadn't been to church in a long time, you know, mm-hmm. or had never been to church. Those type stories beginning to appear. That was the fun um, because the again that those even the seniors who resisted so much change embrace that. They love that. You know, the, the first time you have a baptism, you hadn't had baptism, the baptism hadn't been a thing in a while. You know, those are just joyful occasions. Yeah. Mm. Well, wow. you know, you mentioned that, you know, some of the people resisting the change. And of course, you had to have the trust in order to initiate that. But how, how did you practically help people deal with that pain of change and loss along the way? Well, I think the first thing is just understanding that it that's painful, you know, just the reality that this hurts. And I get that, you know, um, you know, walking into this season, my wife and I had to know, OK, this is not we, they're going to be we it was harder than we thought. But walking away is change. You know, anytime you have a life situation that changes, it, it just hurts. And recognizing that, I think, is so incredibly important. And then communicating that empathy that that I understand this is difficult. Uh, I get to coach uh, a number of pastors in revitalization now. I'm actually one of them being uh, my son. Uh, and and I always tell him, okay, if you're going to deliver the hard news, make sure you do it in a way with a shepherd's heart that you understand this is painful. You understand this hurts, that it's it's not easy. And then the the other thing, along with that, is just do it a lot. You know, communicate consistently. Here's where we're going. Just so you know, we had one, we had two boys, we raised two boys, and one of those you just didn't surprise him with something. If if you told him in advance, hey. Tomorrow we're going to do this. Then he's great. If not, he just kind of overreacts, and it was a big deal to him. Just give him notice. And it's the same way in the church. Let them know this is coming. We're going to be making some changes, and this is not going to be easy. But I want you to know, and and the bigger thing there is let them know why you're changing it. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And one of the things I did that I, I, I think, I think really worked is whenever we would have a business meeting or we would talk about some kind of change, I would often put a chair on the, um, on the platform with me. And I would just say, I want you to imagine this is your grandchild sitting in this chair. (laughs) And so when you resist the change, resist them, you know, when you embrace the change, embrace them just to remind them, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I've heard numerous people talk about those times when if they can envision their children and grandchildren walking, no, coming to know Jesus and walking with Jesus, that changes their whole perspective for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You work for an organization that has leadership in its title, and mm-hmm. uh, we would all agree that leadership is vitally important in every kind of church, but certainly leadership is important in church revitalization. Ron, you've written about some intangibles needed in church revitalization, leadership, uh, talk to us about what some of those are. Well, I would say the first one is listening. Uh, you know, just people want to, they want to be heard. And, uh, they, and a lot of times, if you just listen to someone's concern, you'll eliminate a lot of their frustration on the front end. But that leads into the, the, uh, also understanding. It's not enough just to listen. You, you've got to, people want to be understood. Uh, the part of good leadership is asking questions. And I have one of my uh, degrees is in counseling. That's really served me well because I have those skills to say, okay, what I hear you saying is this, have I heard you correctly? 
and and just making sure you understand what they're trying to say and, and not talking over them or talking down to them, but just really uh, understanding. And, and, and that takes humility, uh, which is another intangible. And the only way you can, um, people follow humble leaders. Mm. I, I, I like, I have a leadership talk that I do comparing the leadership difference in Saul and David. And the one thread through that, that difference is the difference in pride versus humility. One had pride, the other had humility. It's so incredibly important. But I would say in church revitalization, there's some intangibles such as repentance and forgiveness and healing. Um, I don't know that you can turn around a church without addressing some of the sins of the past, especially when they're there, when they're obvious, you know, whether that was a pastor that was not treated fairly or a pastor that treated others unfairly or, you know, blatant sins that were covered over or, or, you know, one of the things we had to deal with was we just had this passive aggressive um, uh, nature of the church that you would think everything's wonderful. And then you'd get in the business meeting and somebody stands up and just blasts you. And I'm like, so another intangible is challenging. You know, I had to get to a point of saying, look, this is not how we how we're to act as biblical followers of Christ. This is not who we are, and we will never really be a church honoring Christ in the way we can if we if we allow this kind of thing to take place. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, the intangibles are they're the harder ones um, because uh, it it does require part of me that. I'd rather ignore sometimes. I'd rather not have to challenge or rather not have to address, you know, the, the, the hidden sins of the past. But they're so incredibly important, especially in, in revitalization. Interesting. You talk about uh, congregational meetings, business meetings, which I think you have once a month. Am I right in uh, Southern Baptist circles? Well, it depends. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it depends. A lot of times, uh, we had once a month. We moved them to once a quarter, yeah. And that was so much healthier for our church. We got more people in a room. Uh, we were able to celebrate and make an event out of it. And so, going to quarterly was absolutely game changer for us. So every Alliance pastor who's sitting out there, and you only have to have an annual <laughs> business meeting or congregational meeting, you should thank Jesus today. Uh, because absolutely. those can be opportunities for uh, uh, the flesh to flare up and the enemy to get yeah. a foot in. I do think there's some wisdom, though, even when you have the annual, and, I, and I've dealt with some churches that do that, to breaking it down because especially the newer generation, they want to know, they want to know what's going on and where you're going and what's, what does this place stand for? And so what we always tried to do in our quarterly was we, we did three things. Where, where have we been like celebrate the last quarter? Where are we currently? So that's where you do the actual business or whatever. And then where are you going? What does the next quarter look like? And that allowed us in all the seasons of the church to begin to celebrate uh, you know, right after Christmas, we're celebrating that, but then we're casting vision for Easter. And it, it just really allowed for that uh, periodic feedback and energizing of the church. Yeah. So I spoke a little bit tongue in cheek, but uh, what you say is correct. It's so important that we're open in communication, that people know where we're going, that we report what God is doing, and that we uh, express humility and accountability. 
in the process, and especially in uh, revitalization churches. So, yes. you know, you talked about some of the intangibles, um, but I would I would think that um, pastors that are wired for revitalization have some common attributes, and I think you've written about that as well on your blog. Do you want to maybe chat about that for a moment? Sure. I think one of them is kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you've got to have a spirit for something that's that's new. Uh, there's a there's an element of risk when I step into a church that needs to be revitalized. It may work and it may not. You sure. know, I, I have uh, good friends who are great leaders and I think have really done all they can do uh, under God's leadership. And uh, you've got to know going in, this may not work and be willing to to, to take that risk. But I think that also goes along with that that willingness to be patient. If you think it's if if you think it needs to turn immediately, or you need to be able to move things along quickly, church planting may be a better deal. That's you right. know because yeah. it is the longer term uh, turn. You know, and so I always say, and I, I'm having to say it in this organization too, because we're kind of a revitalization of a 35 year old organization. The longer you can sit in the middle between fixing things and figuring out the right fix, the more successful you're going to be. And so the longer you can sit in the middle with people who don't want change, um, we took any of the major changes we made, and we made a lot of them, we took a year to make that change. Now, that seems like snail pace to some people, but to the congregation sitting there who was resisting change for years before you got there, it feels like rocket pace to them. Just understanding this is going to take time, and you got to be able to sit with it. That's really difficult. And I would uh, the other thing I would say is uh, you've got if you're going to do revitalization, you've got to have a healthy family life. Mm. Man, if if you if your wife doesn't love ministry, uh, or, or your spouse, if your if your kids are just really unsettled, it's an unsettled time for them. You know that's you've got to be able to because it's going to be hard, and there are going to be days when you go home and you're just toast. Mm-hmm. you got to have a safe haven to run to. So you can't be running, you know, and they're just seasons and all of us have that are married or have kids have those seasons where it's just not the best time for that, you know, for that kind of change. Uh, when you're, especially in the early days of revitalization, it needs to be a healthy time, a healthy season, because you can't do the balance in every area of your life. You need to, you need to have that healthy um, place at home. Good word. So maybe you've kind of uh, touched on this already, Ron, but uh, can you think of some valuable lessons you learned along the way about church revitalization that would help a pastor or lay leader who's out there listening to the podcast as they uh, think about some of the things that they need to uh, focus on? Yeah, I've got I've got several that I think are, are huge. And um, one is to embrace your community again. Mm. Uh, a lot of times um, when when churches be- begin to decline or when thing, money's tight or whatever, you start, it, it's, and it's notorious, we're all like this. We start to cut the things that, that make us successful. When I got to our church, they had absolutely no budget for marketing at all. And uh, and yet, and no budget for staff development at all. Well, those are some of the things that will fuel you. And so you begin to think internally rather than externally, but it's the external thinking that's going to turn things around. And so the more you can 
push outside the walls, the, the, the greater chance you have. And that kind of leads to, um, to one that we, we stumbled on to at, this, at, at the church we were at uh, most recently is don't neglect the past while you're building for the future. Good work. And what I mean by that is don't come into a revitalized church, a church that's in revitalization or wants to revitalize and assume that they're doing everything wrong or that they've never done anything right. If they've never done anything right, then don't even attempt to, right? <laughs> but I like to say, look to that last good season in the church when everything was clicking, when everything was moving forward, when people were excited. And the more you can dig into that the, the and and pull out what was successful then, the, the more success you'll have. And so in the church where we were at, uh, for example, and I talk about embracing the community, this is a church that used to really do that. This is a uh, this was a church that uh, that used to really get behind missions and and ministry and local missions. And in recent past, they had not done some of that simply because of economics or because they were focusing, you know, too internally. The more I could reposition them to do that and embrace that part of their past that was good, the more I could onboard people to get excited about that. And then another one, if you just want me to random do them, is sure. Um, Love the people, even when you can't love everything about the church. Yeah, and that one was so hard for me, and and that that challenge actually came to me in the first church uh, that that we were part of, when it you know there were just a lot of naysayers, and man, it was hard to love some of those people, but it, it was a conviction that came to me through really through some wise advice, wise counsel from others that said, look, you got, if you can't love them, you can't lead them. I may not love everything about the church, but I can love the people, even the most difficult ones. And so what I always tried to do, and this is somewhat comical intended, but it's, it, it is true. I tried to find the most difficult one to love. Um, I would say his name, but he might listen. And if, <laughs> and I would judge myself if I could love him, and even his all cap emails or his, you know, uh, smart aleck mouth in the hall, if I could still <laughs> love him, then I could still lead well. And so that was big. And then the last one I would say that's, that's probably the most important if you're going to do church revitalization or just ministry in general or just life in general is refuel often, protect your soul. Yeah. And, you know, that means surrounding yourself with people who believe in you. That means getting away when you need it. It means protecting your family and getting your family away often and just kind of recovering and just shutting down and saying, you know, I don't have everything figured out and everything's not going the way I want it to necessarily, but Lord, I'm yours and, uh, and, and I'm here and I'm, you know, and, and just allow your heavenly father to father you at times. And that's just, so incredibly important when you're in the midst, especially in the early days and the more difficult days of church revitalization. Amen. Those are nuggets of gold, Ron. They Thanks are nuggets so much. of gold for sure. So you have a blog, uh, and yes. that's where I first discovered you about six years ago and appreciated interaction back then. Uh, you were very helpful in a couple of key things. Uh, but are there other uh, personal or maybe leadership network resources you'd really like to draw our, the attention of our listeners to? 
Well, certainly check, you know, I welcome anybody to check me out online, ronedmondson.com or, or our organization, leadnet.org. Um, Leadership Network, before I came here, published my book, um, The Myths of Leadership, Seven Myths of, of Leadership. And, you know, I kind of just poured myself into that book uh, of my life experiences, of the, the things that I learned the hard way that I used to think were true about leadership, and they really aren't. And so, uh, so I, you know, I don't push my own stuff very much, but I would certainly uh, recommend that book, especially if you're relatively new to leadership or uh, in one of those difficult seasons of leadership. Well, that's great. I appreciate you. Um, one thing I've observed is you really do uh, put humility into action. You're always thinking about in your writings or uh, even some of the stories you've told today, you're thinking about the people you're serving and the Lord who you're doing it for, as opposed to, uh, trying to be that that leader who is all that, so to speak. So I appreciate that about you a lot, Ron. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Ron, we appreciate your uh, ministry and leadership, not just in a local church now, but uh, impacting uh, a number of local churches, lots of local churches. And so we pray God's blessing on your uh, ministry and leadership going forward. And we really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, talk to us and help our Alliance pastors and leaders. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me and uh, bless your work at the Alliance Church. We appreciate the work you're doing, uh, kingdom work you're doing in this country. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. So we appreciate uh, the great thoughts that Ron gave us on uh, church revitalization. I'm sure there are pastors and lay leaders out there who are listening whose church is stuck and uh, their heart is to see it go forward. And uh, Ron provided some very practical uh, insights. Anything particularly that stuck out to you, Alan? Yeah, I think you hit on a little bit. I think uh, his heart was good. It's good for the people that he served. You know, he said, if if you can't love the church you're leading, then love the people. Yep. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. And I, that, that shows, you know, here's a guy that's the CEO of Leadership Network. It's all about leadership, dealing most of the times with a lot of mega churches, and yet, he has a real strong personal side to him that cares about pastors and the people they lead. Love it. Yeah. So my leadership motto for years has been leadership is based on trust and trust is built on loving relationships. And uh, he hit all of that uh, perfectly and really appreciated that. So if uh, folks like today's uh, podcast episode and why wouldn't they have, what should they do, Alan? Well, no doubt they should share it with their friends. They could send it through uh, email, through text. They could share it on social media because uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. So share away. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time on Equipping You Podcast. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.